0: Welcome to Simply Youth Podcast. New episode every Friday on Spotify and more platforms. As an immediate response to the Lebanese Civil War, Dr. Kamal Hanna created Amal Association in 1979. Ever since, it has opened field hospitals, maternities, 24 medical centers, and six mobile medical units. Hamil offers accessible medical and psychosocial services, professional training, rural development, and child protection to support the most marginalized and disadvantaged communities in Lebanon. Also, Hamil is a well-recognized NGO internationally and a member of the UN Economic and Social Council. It has offices in Switzerland and France to replicate its approach with the vulnerable populations in Europe. In 2016, Amel was the first Lebanese organization to be nominated for a Nobel Prize in Peace.
1: Accompanying us today is Dr. Zaina Hanna, a member board of directors at Amel Association and is a lecturer at the American University of Beirut. Her work focuses on awareness and policy advocacy, the support of migrants, counter trafficking, support refugees, youth leadership, and women empowerment. Hello, Zeno. First of all, thank you for accepting our invitation and hope you're doing well. So is there anything you want to add about Amil and its work? Uh,
2: hello, Hadi. Hi, Lilia and Mahmoud. Thank you so much for this opportunity. A real pleasure to do this interview and uh, share together the experiences. And uh, I believe we always learn from each other on a personal basis, being uh, teaching at AUB uh, in political science and public administration. I really have a huge hope in the youth. Uh, really, you give us hope just yesterday, what happened with AUB, MUN, uh, being, having uh, AUB's team as led in the world. And I'm, I'm really happy that I have three of them that were part of my students in my class. Really a huge pride and hope for a better tomorrow.
1: So the first question is, is that your association, Amel, is considered a veteran, being one of the oldest and most established Lebanese NGOs. Today, we're seeing how NGOs are stepping in, often doing the government's work. Every day, we hear of a new organization, some trustworthy and some not. Can you talk us through the situation in Lebanon now and how NGOs are our last lifeline? And how can these NGOs improve by learning from the Amel model?
2: Uh, thank you, Hadi. Indeed, a um, uh, few months ago, I had asked the Ministry of Social Affairs how many NGOs are there and they had uh, declared that we have more than 12,000 NGO registered because we know that registering an NGO is quite very easy. We just give a notification and then we get a number and then we move ahead. However, um, and as we always uh, push in Amel and other organizations is that uh, humanitarian work is not only a way of uh, uh, writing proposals, raising funds, and doing them. We need to have the spirit of believing in uh, the fact that um, there should be people on, on uh, around that uh, provide their life for the support of others. And this is what we call vocation, or what we call it in French militantism. But this is what Amel uh, is really basing its uh, philosophy and its work on, is that. Um, we believe that all of us uh, um, are there uh, to sacrifice our life and devotion and care about the uh, most vulnerable or the marginalized population. Amel, that is now almost 42 years old, and thanks for Lydia's um, mentioning that Amel was nominated for the Nobel Prize. Uh, the key distinguishing thing about Amel is that Amel is not affiliated to any uh, political party. Uh, because uh, Ahmed wants to serve everybody. So we want to stay on our philosophy of non-discrimination by ensuring that the services reach Lebanese as much as refugees, as much as migrants, as much as um, including definitely Palestinian, Syrian, uh, African uh, ladies, uh, migrant workers, Southeast Asian, uh, Lebanese definitely also that are in dire need now.
1: In an interview, he once said that Amel has been an emergency response since February 2020. Now we all know that Lebanon is facing an unparalleled crisis in the socio-economic and political sphere. So, can Amel survive given this crisis is not ending anytime soon, and will your existing fund be enough?
2: Yeah, thank you, Mahmoud. Really, a very valuable question. It has been tough, we can say. Um, uh, whenever and always in NGOs. There is the uh, work that happens in an emergency response. Like I can say the last uh, war of 2006, for example, the 33 days. Uh, we were, we are, a, a, as an NGO, we respond differently. It's a different mechanism of things happen just in a minute. We set a new uh, mechanism. Uh, everything is on a turbo race. Uh, we need to act fast. We need to assess fast. We need to enhance our partnership. We need to understand who's doing what in the country, we need to feed information to set the coordination structure, knowing that Lebanon doesn't have these systems that are there uh, in a very firm way, contingency plans, emergency responses, et cetera. So uh, we have always done it, but it was never that long. And now we're not talking only about one crisis. So February, uh, we started since February 2020 with the health response, so the COVID, and it was quite new because still, even in the history of Hamid, we never responded to a pandemic. Uh, during wars, even if uh, the shells are there and the bombs are there, there is always, we know that there are some areas we can go despite risky, but we know more or less what are the areas that we can go where we can uh, jump. But in a pandemic, it's, it's everywhere. And next to the health uh, crisis, uh, we are faced with the economic crisis Uh, We're also uh, receiving the money, retrieving the money, uh, paying for the services has been a big challenge also with banks to be able to uh, uh, counter it. Then we got the blast, which was unprecedented also for Lebanon, where we're speaking about uh, that this blast has been the third after the uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which was also quite big and had a different nature. Adding up to this with all these uh, challenges, definitely there was the social impact. Where poverty had reached more than sixty percent of the total population, we are seeing it in our eyes. We are receiving many cases of people, many, 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 all over, asking for food, um, asking for shelter, asking for, and this has been unprecedented in the history of Amel, and uh, definitely our all uh, all the other uh, schemes where we our health centers, our social programs, our uh, um, services are there we have been supporting in relief for more than a year and still people are uh, in, in dire need so yeah definitely it has been overwhelming uh, also the team is is quiet uh, pressured. that's why we have integrated staff care because also the team needs support to be able to sustain forward despite everybody's doing it with a smile with happiness uh, I think the blast uh, was an opportunity to to raise funds, but now funds are are falling down, and sustainability forward is problematic in a time when we know that poverty is increasing. so this is this is quite uh, tough on the way forward, and we need to think about alternatives.
0: Having that many programs and members, Hamil is like a small government, right? It is offering social security support to the thousands of people in need. And based on your experience at Amel, what economic and social reforms do we need to elevate the situation in Lebanon? Are you optimistic that the international community will support Lebanon? And can we survive without internal restructuring that has not happened since the civil war?
2: Yeah, uh, very key to to address. And um, you mentioned it at the beginning is that NGOs are doing the role of the government. And it's true. Uh, NGOs have been the backbone of Lebanon not falling apart and it is the makeup role of the government uh, because and uh, you know NGOs are quiet because they have been there for a long time quite specialized and they succeeded to push lots of agendas on advocacy and other issues um, but for sure uh, the way forward is not very easy uh, Lebanon missed lots of opportunities especially there was the uh, the French support and uh, other initiatives where unfortunately, the governance is not taking it seriously. There is a need to have rule of law. There is a need to have a system of checks and balances. We need qualified people in power. We need the most important thing is that the political representatives are at the level and responsibility of catering to the uh, needs of the citizen. And we haven't seen this, especially we're speaking about an oligarchy. An oligarchy is where the People in power think about their private interest uh, before the public interest. Usually, and speaking from a political science and public administration point of view, we elect people, they should be there to cater for the social justice and the needs and to enhance citizenship, enhance accountability, transparency, provision of services. We have seen none, Uh, really nothing nothing much to mention. Uh, some efforts here and there scattered one but definitely uh, we do have an issue despite we do have some people who are good but the, the system um, include lots of clientelism despotism um, and the bureaucracy is not being very effective to cater to the needs uh, and uh, we need to ensure that the people who represent us are here to serve the system so a lot of work needs to be done to uh, move forward. The question, are we optimistic or pessimistic? Um, It's true, there are lots of things to worry about, but um, the opportunities that are really in hand uh, is the increased participation of female in uh, being community work or political representation. The last election of 2019 showed that 112 women uh, did get encouraged to run for office, despite we didn't get many, but I think this is a great start. Uh, Female are getting educated more and more. They have a bigger voice. This is a big opportunity. The youth having um, uh, people like you, very educated, uh, having access to social media, Uh, the youth that didn't live the civil war that is... uh, uh, not aware and positively not aware of 2006 and other uh, civil war uh, related fragmentation is a great opportunity for a better tomorrow where we are seeing that lots of civil marriages are happening. The new generation uh, cares more about their economic sustainability rather than political division. Um, I think this is this is the opportunity that with time think, things automatically will change.
0: And you're a strong advocate for the protection of migrant domestic workers. And now that the labor ministry's plans to revise the standard unified contract have been stop, have stopped, why are these workers at extreme risk, especially with Lebanon's uh, economic crisis right now?
2: Yes. Um, yeah, the migrants actually, I got the opportunity to establish this program in Amel in the past uh, 10 plus years. Uh, and a lot of work has been done. Uh, It's true, the number of migrants uh, in Lebanon is around several percent, if we're not counting the presence of refugees, and if we're counting male and female uh, migrant workers, we're speaking about more than 450,000 migrant workers. This is without counting the expats and without um, uh, counting all the types of migrant workers, which is definitely a much bigger number than Palestinian refugees in Lebanon. So this group can never be uh, unnoticed. But uh, in relation to migrant domestic workers who are working at home, who account to around um, 230,000, around 180,000 who are with the families at home, and 60,000 as freelancers outside, um, many of them are uh, faced with jeopardy. The main problem is that they don't have any legal protection. If they are violated, abused, trafficked, discriminated against, and nothing protects them. If they go to court, uh, not much translation is provided. Uh, So in in general, they are vulnerable. We're not saying that all of them are right. Sometimes they are faulty, but uh, this sector needs to be uh, organized uh, to ensure that um, uh, this is regulated. And to the contrary, we need to see it as an opportunity, because we know that many countries if they have a firm economic plan for their country, they can utilize this labor being uh, skilled or a low a skilled for the development of uh, Lebanon. So uh, like uh, Germany and other countries, they always see an opportunity in these migrants to ensure that uh, they develop their country. It's uh, And this only happens if Lebanon puts an economic plan and they can employ this working force for its development.
1: based on your experience, does human trafficking disproportionately affect refugee communities and migrant domestic workers in Lebanon? Is that the population that's most affected by human trafficking in Lebanon?
2: Whenever, uh, yeah, uh, as if I want just to answer uh, simply, I can say yes, because the more you have cross-border efforts and movements, this increases uh, trafficking. And as I said, smuggling usually happens. um, It's a human trafficking, but it includes the consent of the person. Like the person knows that he or she are going into danger and they're willing to collaborate uh, because they have no other option to survive uh, other than doing that. Like at the example of an Ethiopian lady who knows that she is banned to come to Lebanon, but uh, in order to counter this ban, Uh, She goes to Sudan uh, by land, and then she takes a flight from Sudan to Lebanon to be able to enter Lebanon. So she knows that she's doing something wrong, but she's doing it because she has no other option. Uh, But uh, going, uh, we know that many stories of this lady going through Sudan, she is faced with uh, the trafficker who tells us, "Okay, if you don't give me more money, I'm not letting you reach this place. And this is also where abuse takes place. Whereas trafficking is usually the person doesn't know that they are involved in trafficking. There is a huge deception and they stay victim for a long time. And there are lots of mental health issues concerned. Um, That's why everything related to cross border increase uh, prevalence of trafficking. But we shouldn't forget that trafficking is uh, it comes in different forms, so it's uh, it's not only so many times uh, trafficking is reduced to sexual exploitation, and this is not only it. We know that sometimes sometimes of child begging in the streets is a type of trafficking uh, because they, it's part of networks um, there is a dead bondage like uh, the refugees whenever we're telling them. Uh, pay me $1,000 for the member of each of your family. I'm going to take you to Italy. Then they take them in a boat and the boat, the money. It's quite a big field. It needs a lot of effort.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Simply Youth Podcast for more content.